Bonjour tout le monde. We're so glad that you are here today. Nous sommes très contents que vous soyez ici aujourd'hui. And uh, this is a, uh, it's, it's a long weekend, yes. And you know, it's really bad for uh, like in-person church attendance on long weekends is a sunny, beautiful day. And so all of you who are at the beach right now, we love you. And we'll see you later this afternoon. And uh, this is, and we also want to remind you, I don't know if it was mentioned earlier, I don't think it was, that one of the most powerful things you can do in this online world that we're in right now, where more people, obviously you look around the room, those who are here, that there are so many more people who are families online with us right now than are even in person. And that makes, well, that, that's challenging in a lot of ways and not how in our normal mode we would want to do things, right? Like, It'd be wonderful to have like 1,000 people here like we would normally, uh, you know, 13, 1,400, whatever that we would normally have. But uh, one of the things that's wonderful about that is I can't tell you how powerful it is to be able to share online now. Many people who would never step through the door of a church. And it's easy for us to forget when we sit down and engage in worship and teaching of Scripture or when we come on, you know, especially for me, like I have to remember at about 10.25, 10.30 to take out my phone and remember to share online because I know a lot of people might engage with the gospel of Jesus, the Scripture, and, uh, and the prayers who would never walk through the doors of the church if I would share and invite online. And so it's okay to grab your phone right now if you want to do that and remember to do that each and every week. Uh, so voici la question. Uh, Est-ce que vous êtes prêts? Are you ready for the question? We'll give, it, give a hand up to the Lord. How many of you are ready to study God's word today? Okay. Well, we are in... Uh, this series all throughout the rest of the summer called All Things New. In fact, this series could go on for every, you know, forever because God wants to make everything new in our lives. And uh, today, though, very specifically, what we're going to talk about is how God wants to place in us a new sense of calling in our lives, a new calling. Now, there was a farmer who in his barn had two animals. And this farmer had an old mule who was very wise and a young, strong ox. And the farmer was working them really, really hard because it was planting season and the, the crops had to be made ready. And so one day, the ox got tired of all this hard work and came up with a brilliant idea, he thought. And he said to the mule, why don't we play sick today? And so the mule said, no, we can't do that. There's, there's much to be done, and the planting season is short. But the ox decided to do it anyway. And so the, the, the farmer came in, and the ox appeared to be sick. And so he gave them the ox fresh you know, corn and, and grains and a comfortable place to spend the day. And at the end of the day, the mule came in from the long, hard day's work, and, and the ox asked, how did it go today? And the, the, the mule said, well, okay, I guess, but it was extra hard work without you doing it all by ourselves. And, and the, the ox asked, well, did the farmer ask anything about me? Did the farmer say anything about me? And the mule said, no, I guess not. And so 
This went on day after day. The next morning, the ox thought, I've got a good thing going here. And so the, the farmer comes in, the ox pretends to be sick, and, and, and the mule goes out and has to work all by himself all day long. And he comes in at the end of every day, and the ox asks, how did it go? And did the farmer say anything about me? Until one day, the mule comes in from the long, hard day of work, and the ox who's been playing sick and not doing any work asks, how did it go today? And the mule said, oh, it went great but not so great because, you know, we can't get as much done without you. But the, the ox asked, well, did the farmer say anything about me today? And the ox or the mule said, actually, yes, he did. In fact, we made a stop on the way back to the barn from the field. The, the, the mule said to the ox, we stopped and the farmer had a long conversation with something called a butcher. Oh, a butcher. How many of you ever experienced the frustration of working with someone who will not pull their own weight? Yes? How frustrating it is with someone who will not do the work. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 11 through 13 says, We hear that some among you are idle, which is another word for laziness. They are not busy. They are busy bodies. Such people we command. An urge in the Lord Jesus Christ to settle down and earn the food they eat. And as for you, brothers and sisters, never tire of doing what is good. And Galatians chapter 6, verse 7 and 8 says, A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. But whoever sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. The Bible says we reap what we sow. We get out of life what we put in. And, and if we only focus on ourselves, the return is burned up in the fire, Scripture says. But, but when we invest in the things of the Spirit, those are the things that will last Forever, we got to do the work. Colossians 3.23 says, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. And so this is part of our calling in life. In Matthew 5.16, Jesus said, Let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. And so our good deeds, our good work can even help lead people to Jesus. And so we see this, right? That the Bible speaks out against the danger of laziness in our lives. But that's not what we're going to talk about today. <laughs> we're actually going to talk about the exact opposite. Because if we're not careful, the exact opposite danger is if we're not careful, we can also swing in to the other side of the equation where our, our passion for productivity and our passion for progress can actually cross the line into something dangerous, something that Gordon McDonald calls drivenness. And so that's what we're going to talk about today and next week. The difference between being called versus being driven. What is the difference between someone who is called versus someone who is driven. 
And let me just say, here's why it's tricky. Because on the outside, sometimes it's hard to tell the difference. You see, on the outside, sometimes both of these kinds of people will do some of the same kinds of things. Both called people and driven people might both put in 70-hour work weeks sometimes. They're both passionate and committed to excellence in what they do. They both make deep, personal sacrifices for the sake of the mission. And so on the outside, they might look similar, but there is something different on the inside. And, and this, is, this is what we need, we need to catch today. The difference, even if they look the same on the outside, on the inside, the difference is our motivation. Our motivation. What is it that, that causes us to do the things that we do. Now, normally this is the point where I would like give a definition of these two words, but instead I've asked my wife to help me out today by doing an illustration, okay? So she's gonna go ahead and grab a mic. Would everybody make Tracy feel welcome today? Oh, here we go. I'm gonna have you come over here just so that, so that everybody can you, can, you can wave at everybody online right here. There we go. Okay, okay. So, uh, Yes, I know, she's a lot prettier than me. Get over it. And so uh, what I've asked Tracy to do today, the truth is she has no idea, right? I kept it a mystery. By the way, I guess we can stand close. We're in our bubble. bubble. And, uh, and so I have not asked, I haven't told you what we're going to do. No, but I did tell you that I might get in trouble. Yes. Okay. I might get in trouble. Here's what I need today. I need for you to pretend to be a horse. Okay? Remember, it's it's on theme because we've been talking about farm and barnyard animals today, right? So I I promise it has a purpose, okay? Can can you, should I make you? (laughs) Okay, okay, that's good. Excellent. So here's what we're going to do. That when you want a horse to go somewhere. If you want a horse to move, there are two ways that you can go about it, okay? The first way is you can come to the front and call the horse to come. Come here, horsey. Come here, come here, come here, come here. You're really good. <laughs> You're such a good sport. I thought I was going to be in so much trouble. And, uh, and so uh, you can call the horse to come by the sound of your voice, or, let's, let's turn you around now, or if you want to get a horse to move, you can push and drive, maybe even use a whip, right, in some cases, to get the horse to move, right? So, that, so let's talk about the difference again, one more time, just so we get this. That when you call someone, they come because they love and trust you. When you drive someone, they move out of fear and insecurity. Which way does God work? I I think this is what so many people fundamentally misunderstand about the God of the Bible. That God does not force himself upon us. What God does is he calls us to come to him because we love and have learned to trust the sound of his voice. But the world 
drives and pressures you and uses fear and insecurity to get you to move. Do you, do you see the difference? Thank you, horsey. <laughs> Would you thank Tracy for helping us out today? And so that question of motivation is so huge in our lives. Why do you do the things that you do? Maybe it, it has to do with your parenting style, or maybe it's your reaction to being criticized, or your desire to succeed at school, or to su succeed at work. The question is, why are you doing those things? It is, is it out of love and trust for God, or is it being driven out of fear and insecurity and worrying what people think about you or what the world will do to you. And so really quickly from Gordon McDonald, here are 10 characteristics of people who are driven by fear and insecurity. So we're gonna go through these quickly. And, and as we go through these, you might recognize there are a few of these that kind of step on my toes that I've seen at different times in my life. And I wonder if you might be able to relate to a few of these at some point in your life as well. And so the first one, number one, is driven people are gripped by the belief that it is all up to me. Now, we already talked about it at the beginning, right? I, I started with the foundation, some of those scriptures that talk about we do have a level of personal responsibility that God has called us to work with excellence and, and to bring glory to him through our, our focus on good work and good deeds, but so what we do in life matters, what we choose in life matters, but here's the opposite danger, that if we're not careful, we can begin to push God to the side in our lives and think that it, everything is about me. And we forget that there is in fact an omnipresent, all-powerful, omniscient God in the universe. Proverbs 19.21 says, many are the plans in a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. James 4.13-15, to 15, now listen, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business, and make money. The Bible says we have this tendency, we make our plans about what we want and what we think should happen. But James says, why do you, you do not even know what will happen tomorrow? What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. And so, so here's the danger. The danger is when we begin to think that all this stuff is about me, and that everything happens depends upon me. And number two is that driven people attempt to get something from work that work cannot give. Now, remember, we said that, yes, the Bible says there is a healthy satisfaction, a sense of achievement that comes from a job well done. But if we're not careful, we can confuse our job or, or our role as a parent, or our ministry, or whatever it is, we can confuse those things with our 
identity, which is number three, driven people confuse who they are with what they do. Think about this. We've talked about this before, and I'm sure we'll talk about it again, how in North American culture, one of the things that we want to do, and sometimes we feel awkward about it, but we really want to know, and so many times in the, when we first meet somebody for the very first time and we're trying to figure out who they are, one of the very first questions that we want to ask is, so what do you do? And, and what do we mean by that question? Usually we're asking, what do you do for a, for a living? And many times the motivation behind a question like that is we want to try to figure out how much money does this person make? Where do they fit on the economic scale or their power or their influence? Kind of like where do they fit in the categories that, that culture has shaped? And so in many ways, when we ask that question, often it is not for helpful reasons that we ask it. In fact, there was a study that showed some statistics that showed that some of the highest powered CEOs in some of the largest companies, when they retire, die within a year after retirement. Why? It's because everything was wrapped up, their identity was wrapped up in their position and how people looked at them and, and the, their, their power and their, their influence and that authority was their identity. And because their identity was, was not found in what God says about us, everything falls apart when they don't have that anymore. Number four, driven people habitually neglect other priorities for the sake of the goal. Neglecting our family our, our health, our uh, maybe church life, our spiritual growth, everything comes second to that desire to succeed. N number five, driven people are preoccupied with symbols of achievement. And those symbols of achievement can be different in different cultures. And so for some of you who moved to Canada from somewhere else, your culture might not use the same metrics you know, here it might be about what kind of cottage you have or uh, what, what kind of job you have or what kind of car you drive or the, your house or what kind of school you go to, the degrees, the, the, the respect. We become preoccupied with the world's symbols of achievement. Number six, driven people live or die according to success or failure in reaching a goal. Number seven, driven people see other people as a means to an end. What does that mean? Well, employees, coworkers, family members. Do we ever evaluate them or have time for them based on what they can do for us? Other people's relative value then becomes calculated based on what they can do for you in getting what you want. And if they can't help in getting what you want, then you don't have time. Number eight, driven people are unable to relax and enjoy success when it comes. Always thinking, what's the next challenge? But not in a healthy way. 
in an obsessive way that, that cannot take a break. Number nine, driven people feel compelled to achieve more, more money, more position, more expansion, more education, more degrees, more growth or whatever without asking why, without stopping to ask the question, why am I doing these things? Why am I pursuing these things? Number, number 10, driven people value honor and integrity as long as they don't get in the way of what I want. And so we become tempted to take shortcuts. Well, I know that this is probably, you know, this is probably not what I ought to do, but, but I'm going to take the short way. I'm going to take the easy way to get what I want, maybe to cheat a little. And so did any of these step on your toes at any point in your life? Could you recognize some? Uh, let, let's go back for, through them really quickly again, just, just to, as a reminder. Number one, we'll look at the whole list. Number one, have you ever been gripped by the belief that everything that happens is up to you? That it's all about you and it's all up to you? Number two, attempt to get something from work that work cannot give or maybe even from your hobby or for whatever that, that you tried to shape your identity around that where number three, you began to confuse who you are with what you do. Number four, habitually neglecting other priorities for the sake of the goal and having this completely out of balance life. Number five, preoccupied with symbols of achievement. And we talked about what some of those might be. Number six, live or die according to success or failure in reaching a goal. Number seven, do you ever see other people as a means to an end and you don't have time for people who can't help you get what you want? Number eight, unable to relax and enjoy success when it comes. Number nine, feel compelled to achieve more without asking, why do I do all these things? And number 10, value, honor, and integrity as long as they don't get in the way. For some, maybe some light bulbs are going off right now. Or maybe you can think of someone you love, someone you've been praying for because some of these characteristics are evident in their life. And you know what? It's more than just our careers. Don't think that this is just about work. This can be about every. I, I know some parents who are every bit as driven when pushing their kids to succeed as a Fortune 500 CEO, right? Like, like the tiger mom phenomenon, you've heard of that before, and so this could apply to volunteer work, uh, to your hobby. For some of this, maybe this is sports in these areas, or your ministry roles, or your family life. In every area, the question is, am I following the call of God because I love and trust him, which brings joy, or am I being driven by the fears and insecurities that the world has put on me, worried about whatever everybody thinks. And that robs and steals the joy from our lives. And so to finish up today, we're going to look for just a few minutes at Matthew chapter 3. Matthew chapter 3 today, then next week we're going to come back and look at Matthew chapter 4. And so in these two chapters, this week and next week, we're going to see a defining moment in the life of Jesus. 
when, when he had to make a decision. Because up until the age of 30, Jesus had worked with his hands as a, as a craftsman. But then around 30 years old, Jesus experienced a fresh new call, which is what some of you might experience even in this series, okay? So we'll, we'll pick up the story in Matthew chapter 3, verse 11. Here we go. This is John the Baptist speaking. And he's down in the water baptizing people, and there's a whole crowd standing beside the river watching and listening to John the Baptist. And he says to the crowd, I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me will come one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not fit to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. In other words, John said, look, 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 friends. John said, what I do is an outward symbol. The religious sacrament of baptism is an outward symbol, but it is there to symbolize and seal a work that only Jesus, the Son of God, can do inside of a person where, where Jesus wants to give you the power of the Holy Spirit in you to wash your sins clean and give you a fresh start so that you can begin living a transformed life from the inside out by the power of the Holy Spirit. And John says, listen, you need to know that it's all about Jesus. And at this point, Jesus has not come out into public ministry yet. And so in the next uh, little section, and look, skip down to verse 16, Jesus steps out from the crowd and he goes down into the river where John the Baptist is. And verse 16 says, as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. And at that moment, heaven was opened. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love with him. I am well pleased. And folks, here is where you see the beginning of a whole new season in Jesus' life, where from this point forward, everything changes. Now, some of you have maybe heard this term before, but this is what some people call convergence. Convergence is the moment when all of your talents and passions and gifts finally come together and God reveals to you what he has been preparing you to do. Maybe it's when God reveals that you became a lawyer, not just to make money, but, but to actually help people and to, to point people to Jesus. Maybe it's when you realize that, that your work in construction was actually because God wanted you to use that to be able to, to grow in, uh, in helping build hospitals in third world countries. Maybe it's when, when, when you realize that, that God's plan for you as a parent was not just to raise up kids who will go out and be a success by the world's standards, but who will, who will be raised up to love Jesus 
and go out and make a difference in the world. For some of you, maybe God is calling you to, 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 to take what you have learned in your life so far and to become a small group leader, which is one of the highest callings that anyone could receive. You know, just like in the Bible, around here, small groups are the lifeblood of the church. And in this crazy coronavirus season, we need small groups more than ever before in our lives to take time out of our driven schedules, to take time out of all of our family commitments, to take time out of all of our work schedule, and to, to actually get together to drink from the well of spiritual community together, to, to, to study the Bible together, to pray together, to serve together, to care for one another. And maybe some of you, God is calling you in this next season to step up and, and be a small group leader or maybe to serve in some area with children or, or invest in the lives of teenagers or maybe there's some need out in our community that, that God begins to place on your heart and you begin to sense the convergence of his calling Maybe it's when you realize that God has called you to be maybe an accountant or, or, or a salesperson or a teacher or an administrator, not just as a job, but that he has called you to the place where you are so that you can be a missionary to take his light and his love into the dark world that you have to walk out into every week. In fact, maybe it's familiar. Does this sort of sound like what we talk about as our mission? That what this is about is God's calling is his love in us out into the world. And so next week, next week we're going to talk about that, how to live out this calling in our lives because next week we're going to move into chapter 4. And in chapter 4, we're going to see where Jesus faces three specific tests that challenge his calling. And so please don't miss next week. But, but today, I wonder what God might be speaking to you. And so I just want to invite you to stand if you're here in the room with us. And maybe you're with us online right now. And, and if you are, could you just shut out all the distractions for just a minute? And could we listen? In fact, maybe, maybe you could just close your eyes and just listen. What is God speaking to you today? Has he been calling you? Maybe he's been trying to cut through the clutter and the busyness of your life and all the other voices. And he's been trying to speak to you. We're just going to be quiet for a minute. Listen to his voice. Is he calling?
For some, I wonder if God is revealing some inner fear, insecurity. Because you've been driven by the voices of this world rather than being called and following the sound of God's voice. You know, one of the most important ways to hear His voice is by studying His Word. That's, that's probably the primary way that He speaks to us. And maybe to hear God's call, you need to spend more time in His Word. In fact, maybe some online right now, maybe you've gotten a little bit loose in your weekly Bible teaching time. And you kind of put church service on on demand and then get busy in your week and you forget. And by Saturday night and Sunday morning, you didn't watch it and you forgot and you haven't. And you go a week, maybe two weeks, and you have never even opened God's word. It's no wonder we can't hear his voice. Because we're driven by the things of this world. And so, Heavenly Father, I just invite you to speak today. Speak into our lives. And Heavenly Father, I know that whatever seed you have planted today in human hearts, the work that you have begun, you are faithful to carry it through to completion. But we know you need our obedience. You need our faithfulness. That we've got to do the work. We have to press in. We have to follow and listen to your voice wherever you might lead. And right now, for anyone who's here in this room today who is never committed to follow you, we know the Bible says that Jesus died on the cross because it was part of your plan for the forgiveness of our sins, Father, to set us free from the bondage of this world, to free us from the consequence of our sin, which the Bible says is death from the very beginning, from the very beginning in the Garden of Eden, the consequence for sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And so right now, for anyone in this room, if you want to surrender to Him right now, anybody online, right now, confess your sin. Confess that you have been pursuing the things of this world and the desires of your heart rather than Him. Confess. Believe that Jesus died on the cross for the forgiveness of your sin. Right now, declare it in your heart. Say, I believe. Jesus, you've spoken to me today. I believe. I'm listening to your voice and I want to follow your call. And receive Him right now.
invite the Holy Spirit to come in to begin to change you and transform you. And we commit, Lord, to follow you rather than searching after the things of this world to follow the sound of your voice. For you truly are the one, the way, the truth, and the life. And it's in Jesus' name we declare these things as we lift our voices to you.